0: Welcome to Rebecca Wendy Podcast, and it contains strong language and adult themes. Hi, good morning and welcome to Rebecca Wendy Crazy Life. As you can tell, I am not feeling very well today, but uh, I am the queen of self-sabotage, so if I don't do a recording, I will not do one, and I'll give myself excuse after excuse and not to do it, and why not to do it. Uh, So... This one won't be a long one, but it's about the different things that I do that are annoying and how um, I, I go through life and do all the silly things and looking at the serious things and seeing whether I can make them silly. So for me at the moment, life is quite serious being me, separated under the same roof with my ex and going through a whole bunch of that makes it very uncomfortable and um, part of it is also seeing what the funny side is to a very serious situation and my dog is barking it's super annoying so firstly one of my things that I used to do while I've done and a lot of this stuff isn't um, it, it's funny and silly when you look at it now It didn't feel like much of a choice back then though. So I had. I married my first boyfriend. Stupid twatty decision. Uh, But he was my out. He was my escape from my family. And the only way. Having been brought up in such a religious household. You guys are going to hear so much about a religious upbringing. Having been brought up in such a religious household. um, That's. The only way to get out, for me, was to marry someone that was either out or getting out with me. And my ex was getting out with me. Um, So he came from the same place as me, which is also a really bad idea. Um, And then it was the different things that we did. You know, I grew up believing I could not do anything by myself, meaning... I. I believed I was so incapable of doing the basic of things that I didn't have any kind of, um, um, uh, what is it called? Belief in myself. I really believed I couldn't do it. So much so that even after giving birth to probably eight kids, I was still believing I couldn't do it correctly because that's the way that... It was informed, you know. <coughs> I'd had seven, eight kids. Uh, altogether, I've had eight of my children born at home unassisted. So no, no midwives, no doctors, just us. And I still couldn't, I still believed I could not do it properly. I didn't know what I was doing. And, of course, my ex would take the credit for having delivered the babies. And telling me what i needed to do and so on and so forth so therefore you know in his mind he delivered the baby Not not it wasn't my body doing all the work and me concentrating on and delving into myself and just becoming one with the baby in me and feeling my body do its thing no 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 it was the fact that he was there and that he told me to get into an easy position for him to see and it was a comfortable position. No, mean, it was on my knees. Um, and there's that belief that I couldn't do anything. And I will still go through that sometimes today. Even though I've been through a lot. Like some people say you must be... You must know so much about motherhood. Because I have 13 kids. And I still believe that I don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Because each of the kids is different. Um, so, burying your first boyfriend is not a good idea. Can you imagine right now if you were to sit back especially the women because men seem to see things differently but women think back to your boyfriend, your very first boyfriend, your first serious boyfriend somewhere in 15, 16 what they were like then and then thinking about marrying them that you would be married to them today now most of us would go oh hell no because it was just they were just kids they were just you know we were all kids and we needed a chance to figure ourselves out what we liked what we didn't go through lots of little um romances in that to figure out what it's like to have your heart broken and what it's like to know when someone treats you badly and when you marry your first boyfriend, you don't know any of these things. So you don't know when someone treats you badly. and You don't know when something's wrong, even though when you, you have a feeling. So I had a number of red flags. And I don't know whether I've talked about these before, but I had huge red flags. And it's it looks at, I look at myself and I know that I was different back then. And I know I felt like I couldn't do anything or maybe this is what people were like. But I uh, I didn't realise my part, my ex had so much control issues. Now, I should have realised that when I wasn't allowed to stay at home, when he went to work, I had to go to work with him because he worked as a tradesman. Unless he, he was within five kilometres of home because I didn't know how to handle myself, according to him. I did, I'd i get too stressed and I didn't know what I was doing. And because I didn't know how to handle myself, I would, be, um, I would not be able to do it and I would... I would just get too stressed. So he was there to look after me and I wasn't allowed to stay home. I didn't see this as a control issue for a little bit until I was pregnant with my first child and I was not doing very well. And I wanted to stay home. I wanted to, you know, have morning sickness at home. I wanted to just be home. But no, I wasn't allowed to do that. I had to have morning sickness when I was out. I had to have morning sickness on the job with him. I had to be in the the car and, you know, vomiting and you know, out the door or whatever else. and So much so that I couldn't keep anything down, not even water, and I was in hospital. I have my little one-year-old here at the minute because he's not feeling well along with me. So i he wants to be very close. So I didn't realise that there was a control issue. That should have been a 20 decision in the first place, you know, to, to stick around. But honestly, I had nobody else in our church, you either... Um, you just, you got disowned from all your friends and family if you left. No one spoke to you unless you were coming back. And that was a very big thing. So I lost everybody I knew. Um, so that's one of those decisions that, that I look back now and I can see the problem with the decision. That was a balloon, not a fart. I did not come from... Another region that was a balloon. Um, (laughs) um, And I just see, I can look now and I can look at, oh my goodness, I should have seen these warning signs loud and clear. I should have seen what I was going into and even if I did, I didn't feel like I had any you're hitting me in the face with the balloon little man. Um, I didn't feel like I had any Avenue to get out I wouldn't have even know how to so that was a decision I look back and go oh. you know that was a seriously silly decision but I also know what it was like back then another one is the things I used to do in school Now I used to I believed I was a great singer like amazing and my favorite one of my favorite bands like when i was really young my favorite band was Cindy Lauper my favorite singer was Cindy Lauper because she had curly hair like me and she sang things like girls just want to have fun and that's all i wanted to do and i was only little and so i would. Oh, so you know Cindy Lauper was like, i could sing just like her and then as i got older and got into teens my absolute crush was um, Dean Cain on the and Clark TV series. I was absolutely in love with him. And I knew that if I wrote to him or things like that, that we would have a connection. It was only when I got a, it was not a Reader's Digest, it was like a kid's version of that. And on the front page was a fold-out poster of him. And I thought, what is going on? I thought that, you know, in my mind, I had it written to him. But we had something that was a connection that other people didn't have. I put the poster on my wall, but when I actually managed, back in the days of early internet, I managed to look him up. There was a huge fan base behind him, and I I felt slighted. Like, typical, yeah, all the good guys, all they did is wanted lots of girls around them. No one cared about someone genuine like me. Someone that actually cared about them like me. But mind you, I was 11 at this point. Um, and so, I was, you know, he, he was just like every other guy and did not care. And so, I, I did my best to put him out of my brain. Except I loved the TV shows and I loved him. And at school... I had two friends and we used to pretend to kiss him by by using a tree stump and putting our hand on the tree stump and kissing the back of the hand. You know, we were patching um, tree branches. That was that was our form of entertainment at eleven. Because we were cool. No, we weren't we weren't cool. We were terrible. I got my period at eleven too, and my um, I went to school. I loved primary school uh i i loved it and i was in grade six uh six or seven no i think i was in grade six and i got my period and i didn't know that that's what i got not because my mom didn't talk about it it's just because i wore a um a school dress and under it i always wore shorts and I wore really dark underwear. And so when I um, come home from school and got changed and the fact that my underwear had dark patches in it, I was like, oh no, what is going on? What's going on? Am I wetting and not knowing that I'm wetting or... And then the next day I did the same thing and then it had like little clumps in it. I went, oh my goodness, what is going on? Am I pooping? And I obviously never looked when I wiped on what was going on. I never looked in the toilet to figure out that there was blood in the toilet. I did, didn't did do any of those things. And it was probably on the third or fourth day of this happening and I kept hiding the underwear um, in the laundry pile, but like right at the bottom of the basket. I was terrified that my mum would find out because obviously there was my body was going weird. There was something wrong with me. It's on the third or fourth day that I had this idea maybe I'm having my period. So I got a pad from my mum's bathroom and I put it in my underwear for like maybe six minutes. Because I was just oh, maybe this is it and I wanted to see what it was there. It's almost like checking something all the time. And of course it was stained blood when I had finished. Oh like when I checked it. And it was like, oh wow, this is so cool. I've got my period. So I went and put it face up on the top of the bin. And I went and told my mum. And my mum said to tell my dad, which my dad was not interested in anything feminine whatsoever. And she got me to show her the pad. And she said, it's not very much. And I said, I think it's been happening for a few days, but I didn't know what was going on. And when I looked at my shorts that I was wearing, the shorts that I wore under my dress that I hung upside down repeatedly because in school, the thing that I did most is hang upside down from the monkey bars or the swinging bars and flip off it and you know do all the gymnastic stuff So that my dress was folded upwards and my jocks were uh, my shorts were the vi- most visible had huge blood stains in them. No one had mentioned anything. No one had said anything. No one had indicated that maybe even to my mom that maybe something I needed to take care to look at my maybe I just had a period, Nobody, nobody. no but the blood stains were huge, I mean I sat down most of the day, we played, um, I walked home, I walked to school, um, and obviously being my first period it was heavy enough to have clots in it, that's obviously what the lumps were, but not heavy enough to be something that ran down my leg or anything like that, because obviously that would have told it, and not knowing, yeah here's me, Swinging upside down on monkey bars with shorts that are clearly bloodstained and not a little bit of bloodstained a lot bloodstained and no one said anything I mean it must have looked a treat I don't know why no one picked it up um, but then when I found that out I was like I was mortified um, and I think I wore pants under my dress the next day just I felt so exposed wearing just shorts and underwear you know what if something comes out and of course then I was I was very I knew what I was doing and I knew what periods were and my none of my friends had had their periods because I was 11 none of my friends had had their periods and they went well, what do you do with pee And went, you can just pee in it no you can't but I did and it just got wet and went Ugh. and that was the last time I ever did that I, tra- I treated them like they were They were like nappies, and I just peed in it, and it was a horrible feeling. You know, I never, ever, ever did that again. Um, um, but I had to actually say to them, "Look, it doesn't actually hold pee; that's gross." Um, but yeah, so that was that was the the things that I did. I I was in love with Dean Kane, who was the Superman in Lois and Clark at the time. It was a show called Lois and Clark, and I was, I was having my period and showing everyone without knowing that I was showing everyone what was going on. So that was my, that that was some of the silly things that I'd done when I was younger. And I did lots of other, I, I did so many, so many things that I thought that I would be good at. I learnt the flute for a long time. And I was okay at it, but I didn't learn it because I wanted to do the instrument. I learned it because I already knew I could blow make a noise out of just blowing in the head of the flute. Um, and I sorry I I wanted to make like a sexual pardon there, but nothing come to it and it's a little bit skin crawling so I didn't and then my brain is still trying to catch up to where I was before um yeah so i i knew i could make a noise out of it so i thought well instead of learning something i can't even make a noise out of i want to just learn something i already know how to do the problem is the girl i learnt with was already busking you know she was so good and not the teacher this was a student and you know the teacher loved her because she was so good and i was you know, I'd get week by week and just not practice because it was horrible and but after a number of years I actually had a neighbor come into my mum and say, um, we could hear your daughter playing and when she first played it was horrible. We could hear it, it was just when they hang out the clothes it was just terrible. And I hear it I heard her play today and she sounded amazing. it's so, but it took a number of years and I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't something I really enjoyed doing. I just did it because I did it. And the benefit of it, of playing the flute, was once I got to the age of 16 in my church, I could get out of the actual talk. So the guy doing the sermon up front, and I could play flute in the Sunday school, which means I could get out of there. I didn't have to sit there for an hour and a half and be bored out of my brain. I could play music, or pretend to play music, which was probably more like it. I did play, but a lot of the times when I was in front of people, I would actually pretend to play. Oh, I'd play the things that I knew I wasn't going to be heard in, but the moment I was going to be heard, it would be pretend. But I could watch the kids, and kids are just so funny. When there is a whole group of them, and our Sunday school there's about 200 kids, all of different ages, from the age of three, I think to the age of fourteen. there was all these kids. Sorry my little one got stuck with his balloon. As you can tell it's a bit grumpy. We're all a bit grumpy. Where's it gone? And um and so I could I could go in there and I could play or pretend to play and I could get out of the the um the talk. But the thing is what my parents made me do, which was horrid was I thought that during the tiny, we had to go in for communion and during the time, this is a balloon sound, so I not that I'm farting and doing anything underwater, it's a, it's a balloon sound. Um, what I thought I could do, so in between I had to go in for communion on every second that, uh, week I had to go in for communion and when I had to go in for communion I thought well I can just sit at the back. Um, do the communion and then come back, which was fine for me, but no, my parents had to make sure that I was doing communion. So I had to sit with them, except my dad being a people pleaser and look at me, I am so great, make me a pastor, um, would always sit right up the front. So I had to walk through the hall, right up the front, squeeze in amongst people, um, to get up the front to um, sit down for half an hour, or stand up most of the time for half an hour to then get out and walk all the way back out the front, out the back. It was horrible, but that was their rule. I wasn't allowed to sit up the back. And the one time that I did, because I was too late for something, they wanted to know exactly where I was and they, were, they come looking for me. And I mentioned that I wasn't well or whatever it was. Um, So I, what I did was, um, I stayed up the back. But of course, they assumed that if I was staying up the back at 16, I would not be taking communion. I would not be doing what I was told. And that I needed to, sick or not, come and sit next to them. So I got in a lot of trouble for that. Um, When I stopped playing, when I stopped being part of the the school band, they rusted me off. It was horrible because that means I had to go back into the thing and sit there all day oh, oh, for the whole time. it was so boring. It's the last thing you want to do. And then in the summertime you'd hear the ice cream van go around. And you just want an ice cream because it was so stinking hot. And we had to wear, well we didn't have to wear ties and shirts. But we always had to be dressed properly. And oh, it was just... Why can't we just be like normal people and have their Sundays to themselves? But no. And when I got married, my Sunday wasn't to myself either. It was with someone else, making someone else feel better, happy, whatever it was. But also not being allowed to choose what I wanted to do either. So if I was asked, you know, what do you want to do? It would always be, I would say something which is usually physical because I wanted to do stuff fun. Yeah, we could do that or we could go see a movie. And so we're sitting down watching, you know, a screen up the front anyway. And I just found that incredibly boring. I wanted to be doing things. I wanted to be, you know, I liked the excitement and fun and, and challenges and competition. And I liked that kind of stuff, but I wasn't allowed to do it because my whole job, my whole reason for being was to make someone else feel better about themselves and i find that now is the, the most prettiest stupidest decision my my son who's 17 got his first serious girlfriend and he talked about getting married i said you can marry your first girlfriend and he said why not i said because it's a stupid decision and i know i needed to give a better example than that but it just is it's a dumb decision. You need to experience life in the world and how things work and how people are. You have to know how people are and not be so secluded. And And uh, what was really interesting to me is yesterday, I was looking up certain audio books because I've been listening to a lot of comedians. I need some fun and I need know, to know how to make my life a little more fun than what it is. And what I discovered is a lot of the, um, the older children from the tv show 19 and counting and i had so many kids and their exclusive brethren are coming out they're actually saying actually we've gone against our belief system our beliefs growing up are wrong and they were um not only patriarchal but just so restrictive and we've gone against it and i didn't get any of those books but i did look at the blurbs and things like that and I, i think that's fascinating because. We can try and, our parents can try and control what we do via religion. We can even probably do that with our kids. But once our kids get old enough, they're going to make their own decisions. And often they don't believe the things that we do. And they don't see the things that we do. And um, that scripture is used, you know. um, Give me a child and something about showing him in the way he should go and he will you know he will not follow well the jesuits actually said give me a man until the age of seven oh, give me a boy until the age of seven and i'll show you the man all that means is that's what they're going to be like it's going to mean that that's who they are that's, that's their personality um and i think that's very true hey push your balloon put your balloon so um sorry guys i gotta go um i've got to listen a little while, and i gotta deal with my Face. I'm sorry, it's not the more So a lot more laughing and caring, and I'm sorry it's been a bit um uh, coffee and blah. But uh, I will talk to you in a week. Um, and I'll see you then. Bye.